efficient supply chains contribute directly to the success and valuation of a company. But do investors and boards understand the connection? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Shareholder value is inextricably linked to supply chain performance. That's the conclusion of a new white paper published by the University of Tennessee's Global Supply Chain Institute. Now, anyone with a passing knowledge of the supply chain doesn't need a piece of research to understand that basic tenet of business. Yet many top executives, boards of directors, and investors don't seem to have gotten the memo. An alarming percentage of companies lack a detailed long-term strategy for achieving supply chain excellence. And many seem unaware of the direct link between that critical function and shareholder value. We're going to correct that lapse on today's show with my guest, Paul Dittman, Ph.D. at the University of Tennessee and author of the white paper, and Steve Bowen, chairman and CEO of Mainpoint, which is featured in the research. They'll talk about how the supply chain can boost revenue, free up working capital, drive profitability, and influence shareholder value. Executive leadership needs to wake up. So here is my conversation with Paul Dittman and Steve Bowen. Steve Bowen, welcome to the show. Bob, thank you. Really great to be here. Thanks. Good to hear your voice again. And Paul Dittman, welcome as well. Thanks very much, Bob. It's good to be with you. So we have a new white paper from the University of Tennessee's Global Supply Chain Institute entitled Driving Shareholder Value with Your Supply Chain. Paul, you're a co-author of that report. How is it so that this can be done, especially with regard to supply chain efficiency? How does that drive shareholder value? Okay, well, let me explain our logic and our premise regarding that, Bob. Stern Stewart has done some very compelling analysis, I would encourage people to look at it, that shows that the most closely correlated variable to stock price or shareholder value is this thing they call economic value added. We call it economic profit in the white paper, and that's profit minus the cost of the capital required to generate that profit. So it has a capital charge in there. Now, if you look at that calculation of EVA or economic profit, it really consists of four elements, revenue, cost, working capital, and physical capital. What we talk about in the white paper is how supply chain heavily impacts all four of those buckets and show, I think, pretty clearly how supply chain is a driver of at least three of them. We believe we're the revenue enablers, maybe not the drivers of revenue, but we definitely enable revenue. We control 60, 70, maybe even 80% of the cost in the company. We manage working capital and especially the inventory component of working capital. And regarding physical capital, we have the factories, the trucks, the warehouses, and so we really manage much of the physical capital in the companies. So supply chain really does impact heavily economic profit or EVA which Stern Stewart has proven determines shareholder value. And Steve, does this align with what you found in your work? It aligns extremely well, and I think that's the alignment that it's created between Global Supply Chain Institute and Mainpoint. The opportunity to uplift all the components across the end-to-end supply chain together 
is what really makes the difference in terms of being able to have sustainable, as Paul defines it, economic profit, because you're not only driving cost out, you're improving the cash flow of the business by enhancing the working capital scenario. And sometimes you're affecting the capital scenario as well. Although in our work, we tend to focus more on the working capital. And then in conjunction with that, if you can drive growth through the supply chain by serving that customer better, it's perhaps the single most important lever that an established company can pull, meaning that they have brand and they have a position in the market. It's one of the most significant levers that they can pull to drive the stock value higher. Okay, the way you guys just described that to me sounds self-evident. Seems obvious the case that supply chain, because it's so sweeping in its applications, would have a direct impact on share performance. And yet, Steve, you yourself have said that CEOs and boards are still in the dark about how the supply chain impacts share price performance. And the study says that few companies are actually have formal programs for managing risk in this way. So where's the disconnect here, guys? <laughs> Why don't companies realize this? Steve, you want to take that first? Sure. I would simply say that many companies today have executives that have come up through the ranks, and I think there's two factors that have happened. The question is the source of where those executives come from. Many of them come from the financial or the commercial sales and marketing side of the business and may not have had the complete exposure because the supply chain is so complex. And when you take the end-to-end supply chain and include the customer or even the customer's customer back through the supplier's supplier, it's like the complexity of mapping that is similar, in my view, to mapping the brain. It's so many variables. So I don't think the understanding is necessarily as broad-based as it could be or should be. In a second scenario that's come into play is we've had a 10-year stretch here. Although we saw supply chain enhancement during the recession back in 08-09, we have had a 10-year stretch here where the economy has been in this slow growth mode. And quite frankly, executives haven't experienced maybe some of the challenges that forced, just like in the last recession, a rethink about the supply chain. And Paul comments to that, I think, a little bit in his paper around how to get the executive leadership to support these efforts and how quintessential that is in some of the even the questions or self-testing that he puts forth. Well, before we get into the advice phase, Paul, I'd just like you to elaborate a little bit on why you think in doing this report you discovered that there aren't a lot of formal processes for managing risk and for making this connection between supply chain efficiency and shareholder value. Bob, we've done white papers on this topic. We found that risk management is one of the most underutilized business processes done in the company. The white paper recommends that you first identify the risk, brainstorm them, whatever. You prioritize the risks, and then you come up with plans to mitigate the most important risk. We find that's really not done very effectively or very well. But if I could go back and, and just address something briefly on the CEO and the CEO kind of getting this whole idea of the link between shareholder value and supply chain excellence. This goes back in our minds about 10 years ago when we did an article for the Harvard Business Review called, Are You the Weakest Link in Your Supply Chain? And the you in that is the CEO. Is the CEO potentially the weakest link? In fact, in the white paper, we actually lay out an eight-question self-test 
for the CEO to kind of see whether or not he or she gets the link and gets the whole concept of the value of supply chain excellence to the company. So yeah, many are getting it, more and more are getting it, but there still is, as Steve said, a big gap. I would argue that it goes back even further than that. Decades ago, in the early days of successes of companies like, for instance, the Limited and Dell Computer, whose success was tied entirely to their supply chain efficiency, and then later after that, Amazon, Apple's CEO is the supply chain guy. Again, there's plenty of evidence out there suggests what you guys are saying is correct, and yet it doesn't seem to be sinking in. Or maybe it's just beginning to be sinking in. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's sinking in by necessity. I believe the investment community is really driving this. I think the stock analysts, the people who evaluate uh, stock price for companies, the big investment banking firms are getting it. They understand the direct link between supply chain excellence and shareholder value. And therefore, they're asking the CFO and the CEO questions about it, especially for public companies and the quarterly analyst calls. They're getting a lot of questions, and we're hearing about more and more of them bringing their senior supply chain executive into those calls and into the meetings in order to answer the question. As we say in the white paper, there are some companies where the investment community might understand a company's supply chain better than the CEO or the CFO. And I would just add to that, that when you look at the number of companies today owned by private equity entities, what you still see is an orientation from private equity around financial and the supporting capital structure to a business where as the elevation of the economy has occurred, the elevation of multiples has increased dramatically over the last several years to where most of the multiples being paid are double-digit multiples. And what's happening is it's now forcing the private equity professionals to rethink how else are we going to add value to these businesses in addition to acquisitions and the great knowledge they have around capital structures. And what they're finding is that supply chains, one of the best avenues that is starting, but it is a trickle down effect, Bob. And I think it takes a little bit of time. So while we don't have an economic downturn at the moment, what we have is very high valuation of companies and to continue to perform at those levels in the expected future levels, companies are being forced to reface their end-to-end supply chain as a cohesive, integrated, and collaborative rather than some of the older school mentalities of get the best price from a supplier. Uh, You mentioned private equity, and I don't want people to think that the relationship between shareholder value and supply chain excellence is just for public companies, just for publicly traded shares. Private companies as well have shares. They may not be traded every day on an open exchange, but they have shares. And for private companies, it's all about shareholder value or the wealth of the owners uh, just as much as it is for public companies. So this is a message that applies equally well to both types. Okay, so are there not times, however, when shareholder value and customer value don't always align? For instance, improving on customer value might cost you more and might hurt your, your stock price in the short run. Also, companies are obsessed with meeting quarterly targets because their investors demand those. Also, because companies, when they get a little more money in their hands, they tend to use it for stock buybacks instead of an investment in capital and infrastructure projects that would improve the supply chain. So what happens when this happens? I mean, do you guys agree that this is an issue, and, and how do you deal with that? 
Paul, why don't you start with that, and I'll ask Steve to comment as well. Yeah, I think it is an issue, Bob. It really is an issue, more so for some companies than the other. Theoretically, there can be no clash between generating shareholder value and generating customer value. Those two things have to be hand in glove. But as you point out, when you're a slave to the quarterly earnings, when you do crazy things at the end of a quarter in order to make a number, to hype your quarterly earnings, to help your share price, that's a drug that companies get on and it raises the overall cost level, the underlying cost level, the underlying inventory level in the company to cover up the waste that that generates in a company. So it's a drug that companies, I think it's easy for me to say, but they really do need to be dedicated to wean themselves off that drug. And furthermore, I would say that uh, cutting costs puts a company in a position where they can be price competitive vis-a-vis their competitors. And cutting inventory, which again is something you need to drive to economic profit, cutting inventory is also very beneficial to customer value because it means you're taking the wasteful inventory out of your system and can have the focus of inventory on the products that customers are actually buying heavily. As long as you can simultaneously make your supply chain efficient enough that you don't need that buffer inventory to serve the customer. Well, exactly, and it all of them relates back to supply chain excellence. That's really what we're saying is supply chain excellence has got to be the driver of this. Steve, misalignment between those two, shareholder and customer value, what do you think? To have to say about that? I think like Paul said, theoretically, there is no misalignment. That requires, though, in order to keep that theoretical alignment in place for everything to function in an excellent fashion, not just the supply chain, how executives are incentivized, etc., and on down through their organizations. So rather than try to address this complexity by talking about it theoretically, I'd, I'd like to give a couple of pertinent examples where I think companies are actually realizing, and I like to say, if you think they're aligned, then you can find ways to drive both. If you think they're misaligned, then what you do is you make bad decisions inside of companies and you drive wrong premises that can ultimately cost shareholder value thinking short-term versus the combined short and long-term. So the two examples that I would give is, I just left a client of ours a few days ago, a couple of billion dollars publicly held company with $2 billion divisions, if you will, in simplicity, and and I'll leave out all names. The really interesting discussion that we had was a discussion around some of the challenges they were having with all of their logistics, both inbound and outbound to their customers. The real underlying need, though, turned out in the discussion that they have a huge investment to make in their business Bob, that is instrumental to the new technology that customers are buying more and more of, and they need to ramp up their volumes. And so what became evident was that they're sitting on too much inventory to the tune of nearly $100 million more inventory than both the CEO of the division and the CFO of that division believe they need. So our real focus became, how do we, yes, take and put in place excellence in logistics, take out some costs from a procurement standpoint, but most importantly, release that $100 million of working capital that is tied up in non-productive inventory so that they can turn around and invest that $100 million into their plant to drive better customer response or growth in terms of the marketplace and their new technology. So that's, that's one example that's really fresh as in the past few days. And the other quick example I would just say is oftentimes 
people get hung up and say they cannot simply see how they're going to drive growth. And I thought Paul said it very well earlier of where, well, it may not be the single driver of growth. It is the facilitator of growth. And we had a client where they had four to six week lead times. We shortened that down to 85% of the product being next day, next truck, and the remaining 15% being one week to 10 days. That took an effort not only in how they were doing their manufacturing and some lean techniques, it took an effort in changing their distribution and closing the distribution center. And what we were actually able to do is increase that flexibility or agility inside the manufacturing operations and how they planned and scheduled things. We reduced inventory by 49%, and we reduced some costs by double-digit millions, 10-plus million dollars. But that wasn't the real driver because their growth accelerated by about 15 to 20% in less than one quarter from the completion of that work, which took us about nine months. And it continued on through the subsequent quarters to a point that the largest competitor in the business acquired that business at 13 times EBITDA earnings. Okay, so in other words, hey, we realize some obvious benefits as a result of this initiative, but could you draw a direct line from that initiative to the share price? The direct line on the privately held company was before this whole transition, when the entity that owned that, the private equity entity that owned that company, had acquired that company, they bought it at a seven times multiple they made no acquisitions and they mm. sold it in less than two years later at a 13 times multiple because of the increased effectiveness of the supply chain and the increased growth in the marketplace because the major competitor could not compete with their lead times. They were still operating at a four to six week lead time. So that's the direct corollary I'd make there. I can't make the direct corollary to the other situation because the conversation just occurred this past week. We'll have to see what happens over the next 6 to 12 months as we work with that client on that effort to improve their situation. So advice for companies. Paul, what are some of the conclusions that you've come upon in your research? What should companies be doing now to realize some of these initiatives and raise the consciousness of both executives and the board, and for that matter, investors, in the importance of supply chain efficiency? Well, I think it's incumbent upon we supply chain professionals to speak the language of the CEO and the board of directors, and in particular, be able to understand much better the concepts of cash flow and working capital. We give an example in the uh, white paper about how a company used supply chain excellence to take $600 million out of working capital, which, uh, to Steve's point, frees up money to invest in the business and uh, do some amazing things. Uh, and it also greatly increases cash flow. I think all supply chain professionals understand profit, revenue minus cost. We learned that in first grade. But the balance sheet side of the equation, where you start getting into concepts such as working capital, which, by the way, is the capital that doesn't work. It just sits there as a cash sink that prevents cash from flowing. But concepts like working capital, cash flow, the concepts of return on assets and so on, those concepts are just not well understood by supply chain professionals. And so we think they're leaving a lot of money and, and furthermore, a lot of relevance on the table when they communicate with their CEO and their board of directors. You think the supply chain doesn't always speak the language of finance and finance doesn't always speak the language of supply chain? That's really well put, very well put. I wish I had thought of that quote, but I think it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's absolutely a great quote. We mentioned the white paper. Well, maybe the CEO doesn't get it, but just as importantly, the CFO 
oftentimes doesn't get this link between shareholder value and supply chain excellence. And by the way, when I when I keep talking about supply chain excellence, we lay out in the white paper. In fact, a big chunk of the white paper is what is supply chain excellence? And so that part's in there as well. I mean, if you say that's going to drive share price, well, then what is it? What is supply chain excellence? So that compelled us to address that topic as well. And to pick up on that supply chain excellence, Bob, I would just add to this aspect of how do you generate supply chain excellence as a concept here of total value optimization. And that concept is to say it's not just about one item, meaning cost, cash, growth, or risk. It's actually about attacking all four of those together as an organization that is dismantling the silos that exist inside of an organization. And I think that's one of the biggest preventers of having a really cohesive supply chain is those inherent silos that exist functionally. And then take that externally and help your own supply base to reduce the silos that they have and to improve that communication and collaboration on the outside. And this whole methodology of thinking about the total value optimization of the end-to-end supply chain now is no longer about old-school, hard negotiation tactics, but it's about looking at the value to the end customer and how do you create value steps back through the entire supply chain where you're truly partnering with that entire supply chain to deliver the most value to the customer then you're going to be delivering the most value to the stockholders as well. Well, once again, this white paper from the University of Tennessee's Global Supply Chain Institute, Driving Shareholder Value with Your Supply Chain, it is actually the third in a series from GCSI Supply Chain Strategy Series, and I'm sure we'll be looking forward to future pieces of research that will elaborate on this important topic. But in the meantime, I want to thank you, Paul Dittman, very much for joining us. It's uh, absolutely my pleasure, Bob, and all of our white papers. There's a library, about 20 of them can be downloaded. Uh, All you have to do is Google the Global Supply Chain Institute at the University of Tennessee, and you'll see a link to the white papers, and any of them are available uh, to the general public. And we'll certainly link to the one under discussion today in show notes to this episode. Steve Bowen, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, Bob. Thank you for having this discussion, which is really important for all corporations to continue to advance the understanding of supply chain. And we appreciate all the efforts you put forth there. That was my conversation with Paul Dittman of the University of Tennessee and Steve Bowen of Mainpoint talking about the link between supply chain and shareholder value. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. See you next time.